Life Church created this podcast because we all need healthy conversations with real people. So this podcast is here to help you start conversations with your life group, friends, and family. Now, on to the show. So we've never done this on video before. I don't know what to do. How do we do the part where we, (laughs) you want to just say it and then we'll... Okay, you you start you say it, and then we'll just do the normal. Okay, thing. so I'm Jason, and I'm Allie, and welcome to the You've Heard It Said podcast. Hey. We did it. We did the thing. And I'm just thinking, like, can we can we maybe just turn comments off for this video? Please, because I don't want to know. Be nice. <laughs> like, I don't want to know Send if I like. Oh, oh, he looks a lot. Uh, whatever. Well, different. I've seen so many age jokes about this, and so if people are like, I thought she'd be way younger, I'll be like. Kind of crush. Oh, Ali. We have none of that pressure. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Maybe they should also know that, like, um, sometimes when we record the podcast, no one's watching, so we can have like notes in front of us. Yes. And this time, we're just on our own. (laughs) Like, what? Like, what are we going to say next? I don't know. (laughs) I'm just kidding. So, guys, first of all, thank you for coming. Um, we, we asked each of you to join this conversation because you've had a story of experiencing doubt. And I say experiencing doubt because I think it happens to you. I don't know like that anybody is like, you know, I want to go out there and, and try to doubt my whole faith. You know, like the reason I believe I exist, I want to doubt that. Um, right, right. (laughs) (laughs) So thanks for coming. First of all, uh, we're going to ask you a couple questions, share as honestly and openly as you can. Um, this is something I can relate to personally. So I, I got to a point, I don't know, in the last couple of years, I, I keep saying couple years, but I'm going to say it's probably four years ago or so where I realized I might need to admit to myself that this was a thing for me, that I am probably struggling a little bit or going through or experiencing doubt. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's, it started with like theological things, like, you know, just like random stuff that most Christians believe. I'd be like, I wonder if it really is exactly that way. And I'd start digging into it. And, but it got all the way to the point where I'm like praying at bedtime with my kids and trying to figure out mid prayer, do I really believe this thing I'm praying? Mm. And, you know, that impacted me because I'm a pastor. You know, that's what I do for work. And, and my relationships are based on this. My marriage is based on this. My, so much of the way that I lead my kids. And I, I, man, I wish I would have done it sooner. I ended up going to counseling, talking to people about it, sharing that story with other people. Uh, this is a, a funny moment on this podcast. I ended up interviewing our pastor and I was asking him, we're supposed to be talking about how to pray when you're worried. Mm-hmm. And I had this little question. I was like, I might ask him. Uh, but the question was, you know, how do you pray when you're worried that the person you're praying to might not be listening, mm-hmm. might not even be there? And it's, it's a whole fun story. I won't tell the whole thing now. But basically, um, I got put on the spot and I asked the question on air. And that, for some reason, was a turning point for me to like admit, you know, this is a thing. This is real. And in front of a lot of people or, or I don't know, the, however many people are listening, right? So, um, Jazz, we talked earlier, and I think you got to a point where you started to wonder, um, 
is some of my faith starting to come apart. So tell me, how'd you get to that point? And what are some of the things you needed to hear, you needed to know while you're going through that? Yeah, so I um, would say that I grew up, I guess, in a Christian household. Like, I wouldn't have identified as a Christian, but like, we went to church a couple times, and my mom was a praying woman. I knew that for sure. Um, (laughs) But like, what happened throughout the course of my life, I had um, struggled with just abuse. I was abused when I was younger and even throughout middle school, high school, already very hard years. Mm -hmm. But I was bullied a lot for the way that I looked or whatever. And so it was interesting because I went to a private school where we had like religion classes and stuff like that. And then, um, I, I just realized that there was a theme that actually the people that I was being hurt by were people that would say that they were followers of Jesus. Mm. And so it had me questioning a lot of like, well, if this God is real, then why do the people that say they love him, why are they treating me like this? Yeah. And even like fast forward to my first like Christian boyfriend was a very unhealthy relationship. Mm-hmm. And again, it caused me to question like if if God is actually real mm-hmm. and if this if there if life is just bigger, if there's something bigger than what we see, then why do I consistently feel like the people that say they love Jesus? are hurting me. Mm-hmm. And so eventually when I started going to church more consistently and got my Bible and started reading Romans and I just, I realized I needed to continue to ask the questions. Mm-hmm. And it got to a point where I had to realize because of what I was reading, if God's character is consistent with who he is and if he doesn't change mm-hmm. and if we as fallen people or who's inconsistent, then I can't actually see somebody who's hurt me and correlate that with the character of God. Because that would not be fair to God because he doesn't change. His people do. Now, when you, I'm I'm gonna ask you something I remember you telling me. When you said, I I realized I had to keep asking questions, Mm -hmm. that wasn't a small thing. Like, tell tell us a second about like, what kind of chaos what kind of problems did it create in your life mm-hmm. when you started asking those questions? Was it no big deal or did that like yeah. cause some things to change? I wish it was no big deal. <laughs> it would be a lot easier if it wasn't a big deal. No, but it, it, it was, it was at the, I kind of laugh about it now, but I was at the point in my life where I had, I was having this breakdown, like official, like, I literally moved to the desert and I call it my literal and figurative desert season because it got to the point where I didn't have my like church family anymore. I didn't have people who were close to me um, in proximity or even just like to give them a call because I just lived in a different time zone. And it, I, I went to God to ask the questions and a lot of times I would be on my face sobbing, asking God, the things that I'm reading in scripture, I need you to remind me and tell me that they're actually for me and that this is real. And so I wish it was just like, yeah, let me figure out if like God says when he sees me that there's no flaw in me, is that actually real? Or is that just like, I literally had to get to a point where I was on my knees sobbing most nights, honestly, Hmm. because I had to, I had to believe 
that if I was going to devote my life to living for God, I wanted to actually believe what I was reading, if that makes sense. Yeah. Why, why didn't you walk away? I gave myself the option to. I gave myself, uh, when I moved to this desert, <laughs> Arizona, by the way, <laughs> when I moved to the desert, um, I, because I was so, I'm from New York. And so uh, when I moved, because I was so far away, literally from everybody that I knew, everybody that was comfortable for me, um, I gave myself the option. Was I going to actually do this whole life for Jesus or was I going to do whatever I wanted? And that's like what I thought I was honestly going to decide to do just because it's easier. Um, but I was, I was at the point where I was so broken and I picked up a book by actually Pastor Craig, Christian atheist. Mm. And uh, the last page of the book, he talks about the three different lines that you can cross as a Christian. And um, the last one, most people not crossing and it's giving until it hurts. And mm. I remember thinking, if I leave any kind of like a legacy, I want to leave a legacy of giving until it hurts and being generous and just being open and like actually seeing people and not just seeing people, but like seeing people. And it's the way I felt like Jesus saw me and he met me in my brokenness. And I gave myself the option to, if this whole like crying on my face didn't work and the description <laughs> didn't work, then I would just walk away and it would be, you know, whatever. But I really like, I really felt like it was a divine Holy Spirit moment of just like, no, I see you and I hear you and I have never left you. Mm. And so that's, yeah, that's why I didn't. But I gave myself the option to, which probably isn't like, I, I probably shouldn't say that. But. Say the things yeah, you need to say. Things. Yeah. Well, I think that's really powerful because I think like when we think about our relationship with God, a lot of times the only option we get to see it is through the people who follow him. And you didn't see that. And so I think there's this big question of like, if the people who I can see, like with my own eyes, who say that they follow Jesus, don't show me love and they hurt me, then how can I believe that there's a God who loves me who yeah. I can't see? Yeah. Like, I think that's a really big question that a lot of people struggle with. So, like, I love that you took that question. And you're like, okay, I'm going to go be that loving answer for other people. Yeah. So, that's good. Mm. Through him. Yeah. And Jesse, so when we talked earlier, <clears throat> your story was a little bit different. Mm -hmm. You get to a point of wondering if faith is coming apart in a different way. Talk to us a little bit about yeah. that. Yeah. I remember hearing about heaven and hell when I was four and just being terrified. And <laughs> <to> my, <laughs> it's pretty intense. Oh. <laughs> it's intense and it's, you know, it's big questions. And I, so I went and um, sat in my dad's lap and accepted Jesus. And, and so I'm, I'm, I'm not just a PK, I'm an MK. What does that uh, stand for? Right. I'm a, not just a pastor's kid, I'm a missionary's kid. Okay. Uh, so I, I grew up mostly in Spain. So uh, with my parents is like, making these, these big choices, like life-altering choices, family-altering choices to, to serve God, uh, mine was the creation versus evolution debate. Hmm. At that time, it, it, this was, it was, um, it was, I want to say it was like almost a core part of my identity hmm. uh, that, that uh, this is the battle that I wage. I learned to type in like MSN chat rooms about creation versus evolution. Oh gosh, MSN. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Reading. I was instant messenger. Oh, well. Were you? Yeah. <laughs> um, Aim. Go ahead. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <clears throat> yes, yes. Um, I learned to type in that. Uh, had a, uh, 
just had a really strong conviction. It was it was very important to me that that the Bible be taken literally, six day creation, uh, just the way it happened in Genesis one, and uh, um, I mean I I think when you're when you hold something, uh, in my opinion now, that unimportant as like the core of your faith, like when when you hold six day creation along with Jesus died and resurrected. Uh, I just had a really brittle faith, uh, you know, just small conversations or, or little contradictions that I would find in scripture, uh, would, would shake me and keep me up at night. Um, and, uh, so, you know, getting into college and having those, those conversations, I think everyone who's been to college knows <laughs> the conversations that I'm talking about or the teachers, uh, I'm talking about. Um, uh, it, it just, it made me have to be, uh, be really honest, um, uh, uh, okay, I'm going to pull out the scripture. Is that okay? Yeah. I, I looked at this, this up beforehand because it's it's important to my story. Um, and it was important, I think, to Job's story because he was telling his friends this after, like, uh, so it's in, in Job 13. Um, one of his friends is, is, like, admonishing him, like, hey, you know, cheer up, hang in there, <laughs> bud. Which is is the the just the biggest sock in the gut when you're going through doubts and 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 someone isn't isn't willing to like sit with you in your doubt or have the conversations or or really like yeah I've I've doubted too anyway so Job says if you could only be silent that's the wisest thing you could do listen to my charge pay attention to my arguments are you defending God with lies mm. do you make your dishonest arguments for His sake will you slant your testimony in His favor will you argue God's case for Him. What will happen when he finds out what you're doing? Whew. Can you fool him as easily as you fool people? No, you'll be in trouble with him if you secretly slant your testimony in his favor. Doesn't his majesty terrify you? Doesn't your fear of him overwhelm you? Your platitudes are as valuable as ashes. Your defenses as fragile as clay pots. Um, your defenses as fragile as clay pots. That's 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 where I was. So you felt like you were Job's friend defending God with lies. I, I was like, yeah, yeah, contradictions in the Bible. Well, but I'm still going to hold it all literally. Uh, come hell or high water. And that it just wasn't, okay, there's a, a movie called Doubt with Meryl Streep and Philip Seymour Hoffman, you know. Uh, and uh, he plays a priest. And in one of his sermons, he says that, that doubt can be more unifying than faith. Hmm. Uh, and I really agree. For me, in like small group conversations, uh, being open about questions that, that I think are, are scary to ask, I had a very weak view of God. I didn't think that God could defend himself. So I wouldn't ask those questions. I would ignore uh, um, uncomfortable ideas. <laughs> yeah. So it seems like almost like the, the big question for you it, that you are working through is like, can I believe in God if he breaks my idea of him? Can I, can I still hold on to it? Can I still believe in him? Yeah. If my, if my limited perspective, <laughs> I mean, I'm saying this now, um, my limited perspective was the box that I was putting God in and he was breaking out and I did not know how to handle it. I think a lot of people can relate. That actually reminds me of a conversation that we were having, Laura, because you were pretty similar to Jesse, like pretty logical person, pretty black and white. And so you had all of these questions. And then because you can be such a logical person, sometimes even when you're like in a worship service and other people are having this like emotional experience with God and you're kind of like, I don't really feel this. Like it can also create questions. So I wondered if you could tell me a little bit about your experience. 
Sure. So I also accepted Christ when I was four. And and when I was four, and probably for the next few years, believing in things like miracles or the things that we read about in the Bible, that was easy because I just took it for granted that that was what was true. But um, as I got older, I turned very much into a skeptic, Um, not just about Bible things, just everything in life. And so, like, how much older? Like, you know, what I age mean, are you a skeptic? I'd say I was turning into one by the time I got to be 12. Okay. And, um, and so, but Bible and faith and all of that was definitely part of it. And so, um, hearing about supernatural things or trying to believe in a God that I couldn't see or experience um, physically um, or questioning why... Um, people suffered. Um, yeah. Why, not necessarily, you know, why, why we encountered suffering. Like I could see how, you know, we live in a fallen world and a lot of that is because of sin that is in the world. And, but, but like, why, God, why did you make this world like this at all? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, wasn't, isn't there a different scenario you could have used? <laughs> To bring about your will. Um, I was struggling with all of those questions. And then the um, emotional side of things, probably around the time I got into like high school, started to be more of a thing where I was just looking around me during worship services and at youth retreats that I would go to. And I would see, you know, especially at youth retreats, like thousands of kids my age who are all just like, bawling their eyes out mm. and seriously having this deep connection with God, whereas I'm just standing That was Jazz. Like, yes. Mm. Bless, <laughs> bless you, Jazz, for having <laughs> that kind of worship experience. Um, but I was just standing there. Like, I, I'm saying these words, and as much as, like, do I believe these words? Mm. Because if I'm not having that kind of emotional reaction or that emotional connection, does that mean I don't actually believe these words that I'm saying? Um, Mm. And so it got to the point, like I remember one retreat in particular where I was part of the prayer team for the retreat in spite of the fact that I'm having all of these questions. Um, And during this prayer time, I just sort of envisioned me holding on to my faith by a thread and just thinking that anything could break it or that it would be the easiest thing in the world to just let go of it. And when I left that retreat, I just, all I could do was, you know, say, hey, God, I don't know, but you're going to have to do it because I can't do it. I don't, I don't know how to make myself believe or what that is even supposed to feel like or be like, but you're going to have to do it because mm. I don't know what I'm doing. Mm. So what's the thread made out of? So, um, as I've gotten older, it's been many years since then, um, I've come to realize that the thread is an unbreakable kind of thread (laughs) and that it's tied around my wrist, (laughs) that there's not, I don't like just the only way that I am still holding on to that thread at this point is because God's not letting go of me. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I have that image now. That I think that is, uh, I I was I was almost 
almost exclusively a Pharisee in my in my faith for a long time of just like just the black and whiteness. And I think what you're describing, like God won't let go of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I, I I was a Pharisee, and I I I was nothing like the psalmists mm-hmm. who were who were willing to just like just insult God to his face. <laughs> like, it's true. It's dramatic it's in stuff. There. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like offensive stuff that they're just writing down for everyone to read, uh, including us thousands of years later. I, I was unwilling to be a psalmist, but God was asking me to be one. So one of the psalms that is closest to my heart now is um, Psalm 73. And there's a portion of it that says... Um, I was brutish, it's talking to God, the psalmist is talking to God. I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast toward you. Nevertheless, um, you are continually with me. You hold my right hand, you guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? I have nothing, um, there's nothing on earth that I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And that sort of, I know what I have been like toward God. (laughs) And I know the questions that I have hurled toward him, um, but I have seen him just with me again and again, even though I doubt him. I I love that you also, though, shared this piece of your story as like seeing other people and their like emotional expression and worship and how they can have this like pull, you know? And because I think to your point, a lot of, we don't experience Jesus the same way, nor do we like express it. Right. And so I've done the same thing. We're in a worship song, people are like sobbing and I'm like, Hmm. <laughs> Jesus, you know, but it's like, but he, that doesn't mean he hasn't left me. It just means that I get to express and experience Jesus in a different way. And I love that you shared that. Yeah. Yeah. I love hearing all of this because like all of these questions are things that I have a lot of the times of like, God, can I believe if I don't always feel you? Or like, if I don't always see your love in other people, or if I can't even wrap my head around who you are. But I think for me, like I often have doubts about both the emotional part and like the logical part. And I hate feeling like painful emotions. Like I just shove them down. I just, no, thank you. And so I think I often let logic be my bodyguard of like, okay, I'm not going to go here. So like, I'm just going to build all of these defenses and just like, here we go. But I think like when I'm honest, like my questions are like, God, are you really kind? Like, and if you are, why would you let this happen? Whether it's like something in my life or some in the lives of somebody that I love, or even just like globally, like looking at things and being like, God, can I really trust that you're good in the middle of this really terrible thing that's happening? But then I think I like hearing you guys all share that because I have those thoughts. And then the next thing is shame. It's like, am I supposed to think these things? Like I should be better than this. I shouldn't have these questions. And like, do all of these questions make me a bad person or a bad Christian? And so then I'm like, what do I do with all of that? Yeah. yeah. And so. Yeah. And like the answer is yes. You're a bad Christian, Allie. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, what an encouraging conversation. I'm glad we could wrap around there. <laughs> okay. But, but, but seriously, what if you were, right? I mean, when I, the, the way that I, that, that's kind of what's kept me in faith. Is, is staring at Jesus, like keep looking at Jesus over and over. Go back to, okay, what about Jesus? And he says, uh, blessed are you if you're poor in spirit. You know, that's, that's from the Beatitudes. So anyways, maybe you are a bad Christian, but you're blessed if you are, you know, so 
Um, okay, listening to all this, thinking about all this, I, I think most people need to have this kind of open, candid conversation. Yeah. And, and so a great question that people could ask who are listening or watching, I think is, um, has there been a time where it felt like your faith was starting to come apart? Mm-hmm. And maybe you're there now, and what do you need? So, so for anyone listening, watching, that's what we hope. We hope they'll have a conversation like this and, and ask that question. I think it was great fun for us and seemed like good for each one of you. So, yeah. It, it, it's so, so many smiles after tears. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. I just, I, I would hate to give the impression. I think I, I see it as like, no, the Christian faith is a discipline of doubting. You, right. You wrestle. Mm-hmm. And that, that is, if you're, if you're not wrestling, then, you're probably stagnant. Mm-hmm. Is that is that fair? I don't know if that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, so have the conversation, yeah. ask the question, and then keep talking.